So I think on August 7th, I will be doing my seventh wedding in the last four months. So I've been doing a lot of weddings and it started me thinking, I wanted to have a conversation with Glenn and Ross about marriage and about some of the common misconceptions, uh, some of the things that people, especially young people, uh, bring to uh, their, their engagement and, and to their premarital counseling. And we just wanted to talk about some of the things I say as I do a, a marriage ceremony and um, just talk about the concept of love and what that truly means and talk about the concept of forgiveness and how important that is. So yeah, join us as we talk about marriage and uh, all kinds of stuff. And here we are back hello, with you hello. guys. Yes. I've been doing the solo interview thing for you the last have. few. It's good to have my good staff to, back. Good to be back. So um, how y'all doing? Good. Good? Yeah. yeah. Enjoying summer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. Been on vacation a little bit. Yeah. Where'd you go? We went to Florida yeah. a couple weeks ago. It was, I guess it was more of a trip than a vacation because we Ooh. had five kids, five and under. But, uh, uh, more but it of was a trip. It's a family <laughs> trip versus a vacation. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It was not relaxing. Okay. I hear you. But it was, it was, we made great memories. It was really Good. fun. So we had a good time. Good. Yeah. Who all went? My uh, my sister and my brother-in-law and their three kids, um, Gideon, Micah, and Esther, and then my mom and dad, and then my wife and our two kids. So yeah. it was a big group of us in That's one house. A and crew, man. It was, <laughs> it was fun. A lot yeah. of pool swimming and going to the beach and digging for shells, and it was yeah. a blast. I know a lot of people went to Destin, yeah. San Destin, yeah. Panama City Beach, uh -huh. uh, yeah. we and Seaside. That's yeah. another. <clears throat> we just went to Watercolor, and cool. so we ran into some people at the Red Bar there in Grayton Beach, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" It, from Argyle, right? Yeah, wow. And they small world. I go, "Not really. <laughs> Everybody and their dog is right here <laughs> yes. on 38, yes. right somewhere." Everyone comes down there. Anyway. That's right. Comes out having fun. Yep. Yeah. That's How about right. you, Glenna? Y'all been traveling? We have, no, we have not been on vacation. We've been enjoying being at home like had the wedding in june mm -hmm. and like we really look forward to our weekends like yesterday afternoon everybody came over we're in the pool all afternoon and awesome yeah good like good just enjoying that oasis in our backyard that's good yeah and we got to go to a wedding together yes. this last weekend yeah yeah married a couple that i've i met i've known the mom for a long 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 time and it was her son and his now wife and mm -hmm. uh just so good getting to know them and yeah. you know it was a hot it was outdoor wedding oh and, but a beautiful venue this dove ridge vineyard in uh kind of the azel weatherford area yeah perfect setting yeah beautiful sunset mm -hmm. like it was really beautiful but the suit will be going to the cleaners yeah Man, why? I, 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 I do not people, get like people who do outdoor why do they do in the summer? yeah in july know, august so i've done I one get, there in august before and uh -huh. and again same time i think this one is at six i think the other one i did was at five yeah and then while they do pictures you know cocktail hour yeah. is usually on the west side of that building <laughs> right in the sun they got the cornhole set yeah. up and all the you know games and i'm like oh my gosh yeah. you know people are just we did move cocktail hour inside at nice. this one which it was, was good so nice yeah. like i mean you mm -hmm. didn't even notice like the time that was passing because mm -hmm. they had your hors d'oeuvres and your cocktails yep. and Plenty of space to visit, and then we went outside after as the sun was setting. Yeah, got some really great. Got some pictures. good pics out there. It's just Played unreal some yard the elevation. Games. Yeah, if and then you came come, back in for 
toast yeah. and yeah. dancing. It's awesome. The elevation out there is insane. Like if you come in from like 820 or mm -hmm. 30 on, on the south side mm -hmm. of the venue, you don't see it as much. But if you come in from the north side, you're literally up there with cell phone towers. Like, you know, really it's really, crazy. really cool. Who would think that that's in North Texas, you know? Like, yeah. That's what we said. I was like, oh, this looks like the hill country. Mm -hmm. Like we're driving through Fredericksburg mm -hmm. and different yeah. areas with all the white rock. Yeah. It's a great venue. Yeah. So today, speaking of weddings, I wanted to talk about marriage. And I want, I think we've shared in the past, you know, some of the issues that people bring in, right, that mm -hmm. we see from, uh, you know, infidelity, sometimes the first year of marriage being hard, mm -hmm. um, to, you know, raising kids, you know, and the strain that that will put on a marriage. I just thought, have we really ever talked about just, just in general, you know, marriage mm -hmm. and how hard it is, right? And um, the stuff that we tell couples when we do premarital counseling mm -hmm. and, you know, some experience from our own marriages. I just thought, let's talk about marriage and dive in. And where, where I wanted to start today is kind of go through components of the ceremony mm -hmm. that I do mm -hmm. when I marry couples uh, yeah. and the things that I talk about. Yeah. We were talking before we started. Yeah. I always tell the couples, I'm not going to be preaching a sermon right. or trying to save anybody when we, and it's going to be short and sweet, right? I'm not going to go on and on. Um, I'm going to be talking to that couple. Right. So I always want the couple to kind of stand, not backs to the audience, but but kind of, you know, where they're facing me. And then I have them face each other to do the vow and the ring part. Mm -hmm. But but it's like, I'm not going to be using some outside voice, you know, welcome, dearly beloved. <laughs> we are together. I'm talking to these two, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. it seems intimate and it's personal. But so I'm and just going to... accomplish that. What's that? You accomplished that Thank at that you. wedding. It was Thank good. you. Um, you know what? It, it is pretty cool to hear some of the responses mm -hmm. to people from strangers that come up and tell you what they enjoyed about it. And, and that word, you know, intimate or personal. Um, I just think it's cool that, again, we've talked about cross timbers and the kind of place this is, mm -hmm. um, that if you're a pastor here, I think we have a little bit more freedom uh, to talk about things in a different way mm -hmm. than your typical, you know, chaplain or justice mm -hmm. of the peace or mm -hmm. rent a pastor mm -hmm. <laughs> right at weddings. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we do get to know the couple and we've spent those hours with them um, on our couches, you right. know, doing the premarital stuff really helps. Right. Yeah, yes. no doubt. Yeah, I yeah. think that was one of the things that I really, uh, that I took away from even starting here and then starting to do premarital with couples and weddings and whatnot, but um, is, is just the focus on making it personal for them. Um, and you know, that it's not about the people that are there. It's about them. Obviously the people that are there are there to witness the promises they're making to one another. Um, but that they're, it's about the couple and to, for it to be personal to them and unique to them and special for them is the most important aspect that I want to convey. So, yeah, I, I think that's been the enduring thing, piece of advice that I, that I think is yeah. a part of the culture of the pastors here who officiate. Right. And one thing, I, th I don't know if I learned it from you or Toby or maybe my mm -hmm. husband, but mm -hmm. like really praying for a word when you're sitting mm -hmm. in the premarital, a word, something, a characteristic that stands out for mm -hmm. each of the couples, mm -hmm. each of the people, um, mm -hmm. and to speak that blessing over yeah, them. That's good. And yes. it's something I've found with the couples that have done their weddings, like, it sticks with them and it's something that they can fall back on. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, you said, I think the word you use for your groom this week was humble and yes. humility. And um, 
they just stick with it. Something yeah. they can always call on to remember, like who they are and what they do bring to this mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah, yeah. That's the first, yes, uh, I love doing the, and we can come back if you, you know, to the order. But the the vows and then the rings, and then after that, then a lot of times that that will be where somebody will do a, a, a tie the knot ceremony or a ring yeah, ceremony or communion yeah. or what have you. Um, and maybe parents praying over them. But after that, they didn't do that in this one. But, but that's where I try to speak to each one individually about a word mm-hmm. that, that I got either, you know, that weekend before as you're preparing mm-hmm. or right. while you did the premarital. And yeah, the one of the first things I noticed about this groom was his, yeah, he had, he was very articulate, very smart, very confident, but he was humble. And he had a teachable spirit, and he he seemed very eager to learn, mm. not just like willing, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna learn, and I'm gonna soak in, and I just love that. People who seem like they're truly um, humbled by you sharing your 32 years of marriage experience and all the couples. So where I started with this couple, as as we started, I said it doesn't sound too romantic, but I said marriage is hard, mm. and I quote. Tim Keller in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, talking about how it's this, uh, all these, um, what do you say, burning, uh, uh, he says, exhausting victories mm-hmm. and something like humbling defeats. Mm-hmm. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's hard, but it's joyful. Mm-hmm. And it can be you know a challenge, but it also can be just the best adventure of your life. Mm-hmm. And so it's that... It's not either or, it's yeah. both. Yeah. But to bring that up, and and so Tim Keller in his book, he quotes a guy named Stanley Harwas who wrote a book called Resident Aliens. And the quote, and I'll probably mess it up, but it goes something like this. says, we never know whom we marry, we just think we do. Mm-hmm. Or even if we at first marry the right person, give it a minute, and marriage being the enormous thing it is means we are not the same person after we've entered it. So then the primary problem is, he says, learning to love the stranger to whom you find yourself married. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that doesn't sound so romantic here, it's a, but it's, it's like, it's anything but sentimental. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, you know, tell them, you, you're trouble, and so is she. You, and so you have to make a promise, right? Because it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And, so you, and, and so you're making this promise, you're making this, what I said, it's not just a commitment, it's a covenant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're making a covenant between um, each other and with God. Mm-hmm. So in the premarital class, we go into all kinds of stuff. So so talk about that, Ross, as far as marriage being hard. It's yeah. not this this romantic thing that we see on yeah. the Bachelor and Bachelorette <laughs> TV series, right? Yeah. It can be really, really challenging and difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I talk about in, in the ceremony that I do too, uh, just the, you know, we read first Corinthians 13, love Mm -hmm. is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, doesn't have a swelled head, all these different things Mm. and, uh, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Mm. And I repeated that one. I always say that twice. Oh my gosh. It's so good. (laughs) But, um, just using that as a, as a picture of the love that we're called to as, or the love that's the purest form is one that is a choice Mm -hmm. and it's not, it is a covenant. It is a commitment. It's not the romantic feeling. You know, it's the, it's the feeling that it's the, it's the thing that endures when the fire burns out, right? Mm -hmm. Is that choice over and over again to choose your partner and all of those 
characteristics that's described in First Corinthians 13, no, no matter how much it's overblown in a wedding ceremony, right, that it's always used, it's always so powerful because it holds us to such a high standard. Yeah. And anyone who, you know, is going into a marriage just looking for that romantic love is going to be unfulfilled. But if you're always striving for this purest form of love, it's always yeah. going to be a journey and it's, so, it's always going to be a, a challenge. So the agape unconditional love mm-hmm. it's a choice like yeah. you said it's it's an action yeah it's it's i always say it's the noun i mean it's the verb it's not the noun yeah it's it's the feelings come and go but this is the thing you're going to make this commitment and this choice every day yeah. will i love you again mm-hmm. and so I, I make the point life's a moving we're we're a moving target yeah. life's happening yeah. we're evolving we're changing the woman i married hadn't had kids right and and so and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's a mom are you going to love the woman who's changed? Mm-hmm. The woman I married hadn't lost a child. Mm-hmm. Are you going to love a woman who's gone through that experience? Mm-hmm. You, you, the, the guy, obviously the guy she married, you know, had a little bit more hair or, or <laughs> hadn't been a, a father. Yeah. Uh, he had never been a husband. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it changes us. Right. And so we're this moving target. Life's happening. We're evolving. And it's, it's a cool thing to think. I don't know everything about my partner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to be curious. Mm. I'm going to get to know them and, and actually want to understand them. Yeah. I always tell couples, you don't have to become a marriage expert. You just need to be an expert on your spouse. Yeah. It's good advice. It's huge. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I think, and when you say that, I think of uh, you know a, a renowned marriage expert that we love here, John Gottman, and the mm. idea of turning towards versus turning away and just that that is the choice that you make every day. Exactly. And Glenna is an expert here on Gottman. So <laughs> yes. talk a little bit more about turning towards oh, versus turning wow. away. Wow. I like love John Gottman mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, his training. But yeah, he talks about how um, a lot of therapists and pastors say, well, let's just get your communication fixed. And it's Yes, there is some communication, but beyond that, it's this friendship. Mm. It's the choice. It's the turning towards. Mm. And he talks about like we have an opportunity to connect with our spouse through little bids that we make every day. And it can be as simple as, wow, it looks like it's going to rain today. And your spouse looking up from their phone going, oh, yeah, I just saw on the weather app. It's supposed to rain about 3 o'clock, right? So that's turning towards, that's mm-hmm. answering that bid for connection. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that bit of connection can actually be an argument, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I care enough about you and love you enough to say, I need to complain about something, mm-hmm. but we do it in such a way that we're connecting, we're getting to know each other, we're sharing our heart with each other. And he talks about turning away or turning against. Mm-hmm. And so same couple, hey, yeah, it looks like it's going to rain and nobody yeah. looks up from their phone. Yeah. That's turning away, mm-hmm. but turning it against with like, you know, why are you talking about the weather? There's mm-hmm. more important things to talk about. That's turning against, mm-hmm. right? You go after mm-hmm. their character a little bit. And like, this is how you make your emotional deposits mm-hmm. into that bank account as you turn towards and then you make repairs. If you miss a bid, mm-hmm. you make a repair. And how do you repair? And does your spouse let you repair? Do mm-hmm. they receive it well? Mm-hmm. Those are all things that cultivate this friendship we're talking about and choosing to love. And what I appreciate about, appreciate about John Gottman is that like, there's a scripture that says, hey, older women, teach the younger women how to love their husbands. And before I read and dug in and went through his training, 
I couldn't ever be like, on a good day, I love well, maybe. <laughs> right. And now I'm like, I've got the tools mm -hmm. to love my spouse, mm -hmm. even on the days I feel like I don't really like him very much. Mm -hmm. Right? That's I'm good. still choosing to love him. I'm still choosing to use these tools that Godman has designed, like he that they're based in science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and they're based, and I love it when science catches up with God. Yeah. So you first told me about the Gottman book, The Relationship Cure. I think mm -hmm. I heard it from you. And right. and those those turning towards, turning away, and uh, turning against are they talk about how every spouse we're making emotional bids for connection. So mm -hmm. when Jamie says, "Hey, you want to go to Walmart with me?" She doesn't really need me to go to the store with her. She's that's an emotional bid for connection, mm -hmm. right? And so in the responses that he he goes through, right. he talked about how healthy couples will make multiple, like over twenty emotional bids per day. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he said that couples who are in conflict or troubled couples that they've resigned, they've just stopped making them. Mm -hmm. They've just stopped making the, the bids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another wow. Gottman book, I think I've mentioned it before, his, I think his latest is The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it his, is amazing it, it, book. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, that's a great and book. And then his latest one is called Eight Dates. Oh, eight dates? Eight dates. Cool. And they're oh, eight days or dates? D A T E S. Okay, gotcha. Dates. So they're Sorry. eight conversations you need to have basically before you get married mm. or once you're married and you plan your date. He walks you through planning your date and the conversation you're going to have and you have prep yeah. work. Mm -hmm. But my favorite part about it is there's this one paragraph and it says, if you're like the rest of us in the world, you're not reading the whole chapter. It's three minutes before the date <laughs> and you need to know what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So read this paragraph if you've read, if you read nothing else, yeah. which I appreciate about him because like, how many times is that us, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. eight dates, seven principles, all great. Yeah. So the big, the big point that I wanted to bring out in the first part of this, this morning is, is basically there's this either or mentality. It's the romantic idealized version of, of love. Oh, it's this, it's going to be, you're my person, you're my soulmate. <laughs> it's going to be roses. Everything's great. Or and I think most, I mean, a lot of young couples, they're, they're still there. It's a fairy tale. Right. And it's supposed to be amazing. And you know what? Everybody else talks about this hard first year of marriage, but that won't be <laughs> us. They don't know us. Or, or that, you know, a lot of couples have this cynical view, but that's not us mm -hmm. because we're, I mean, we are each other's person and mm -hmm. we are soulmates mm -hmm. and we, we already know everything there is to know. So it's this idealistic distortion that, that comes into play because they've got rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. The other extreme is the cynical. Oh, mm -hmm. just wait. Once you get married, all the romance goes out the window. Mm -hmm. Oh, just wait. Mm -hmm. You know, sex goes out the window. Mm -hmm. All these cynical views. And right. so being realistic about marriage and how hard it is and the challenge, and it's a choice to love. I want to be honest and I want to prepare them, but you it but not be cynical. Yeah. Not tell everybody it's gonna be horrible. Right. I'm in the best season of my marriage in the year 32 right now. And so how do you achieve that? It's so one of the words that I come back to after talking about love, and I put them on the spot at this last wedding <laughs> I asked. Yes, a lot of times they get it, right? <laughs> but um I say there's the most important word in my marriage in the 32 years, it's not the word love, it's forgiveness. Mm. That's the concept I think is the most important. You have and you will screw up. You're, I mean, you have and will be broken. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? You have to forgive. Mm -hmm. You just choose to forgive that person mm -hmm. over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I think where I heard that 
Yeah, I think it's uh, Jordan Peterson's talking about why we make such a big deal about the promise. Mm. I mean, this whole ceremony about this covenant, about saying, I do, and I will forever until death do us part. It's because you're acknowledging, I know you're a piece of work, and so am I. I know your trouble, and so am I. Mm. So we have to say yes. We have to say, I will forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because once that accountability mirror gets up, it's like, ooh, I don't like what I see. But instead of, or I don't like what I see in you during that adjustment. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, oh, I'm done, I've made a mistake. It's like, no, now the hard work of the adjustment and learning who they really are, not the idealized version that you wanted to see Mm -hmm. in that person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or what you wanted to make of them. It's Mm -hmm. like who they truly are. Mm -hmm. And you don't see that many times until the rings are on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, in the good ways and the bad ways, like I I tell a story, I'm, I'm not 32 years into marriage. I'm almost eight years into marriage, but... Hey, congrats, uh, man. <laughs> thank you. you. Got past the seven-year itch, Yeah, right? there you go. Well, <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you oh, say, not there, yeah. not there yet. Uh, but, you know, I like in my first year of marriage, which was, it was not the thing that was described to everyone. I love that you say that, Brian. But um, mm. anyway, uh, one of the things, one of the ways that I feel like God revealed some things to me about marriage, about myself, about my wife is, uh, is, is that understanding who they are, like that, that I have an idea. I, I, my wife is, has her, owns her own business and she does her own thing. And, uh, and I, I am, I think that she's the greatest at what she does. You know, I think that she's the most talented. And so when we first got married, my goal for her was my idea of what she could do <laughs> the best, you know, like how her business could thrive the best from my perspective. And that's not what she saw as the best way for her to grow and thrive. And that was a big tension for us because I'm like, babe, you could be doing all these things. And she's like, no, but I'm good with doing these things and doing them well. And mm-hmm. I had to come to the realization that, um, you know, who she was becoming and who God was you know, creating her to be and and crafting her to be was way better than any idea I had for her, you know? And I think the same is true. Like that's the positive side of it. It's a hard realization too, but man, like when we take our hands off and allow our partners to become who they are becoming, instead of trying to mold them and craft them into who think we, who mm-hmm. we think they should become, there's so much more um, joy and so much more even awe at who they are and who how God works in their life. Yeah, the the differences when when so many times we come into marriage and we th- again we've dated mm-hmm. we've been engaged mm-hmm. but then if you haven't been cohabitating right yeah. mm-hmm. living together then. There's this, you start to see patterns yeah. and it's like, oh, you do that every night the same way. It's like, and you think, and or or that's the way you celebrate Thanksgiving? Wait, that's how you do Christmas? Mm. And so there's all, those are some of the biggies, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. but everything and the way you view the world, your family of origin, the way you were trained to think about life. Yeah. And all of a sudden here's this other person who thinks very differently than you do. And yeah. then there's, of course, the, the Enneagram. We right. may come back to that, you know, an eight and a two living together and the dynamics there. But it's interesting to see, and I love you brought that up, like who did God create this person to be? Mm-hmm. Not who do I need them to be or who exactly. do I want them to be? Exactly. Who did I 
fancy them to be. Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. And will I will I commit to loving that person? Mm-hmm. And so not just I always bring up not tolerating differences. Like, oh, I just got to tolerate that. It's annoying or it's irritating or it's just, so, oh, that's weird yeah. or that's that's crazy or that's strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's valuing mm-hmm. the differences, mm-hmm. learning to value. There's another way to see the world. And this person's done just fine without me, mm-hmm. you know, right? And so their way of seeing the world and their way of operating and, and doing things, maybe you've got a lot to learn. Yeah. It's yeah. dying to that ego and learning to sacrifice and saying, maybe there's a value here mm-hmm. that's going to help the two become one, and yeah. the one could be better yeah. than each individual. Yeah, it's huge. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Pausing to hear their story behind that ritual. Mm. Pausing to hear their story behind that mm. habit, and mm. and what does that mean to them? And sometimes those things that show up, those values show up in conflict. Mm because your value or personality is different than theirs. And like, I'm like, that's a great opportunity for connection versus um, like contention. Mm. Because a lot of times those difference in values can be contention, like we're gonna fight. But if you go, wow, this is an opportunity for connection. Like how can I get to know that story or what's meaningful behind there? What is that dream or that value that they're trying to express to me? that I'm missing because I'm so caught up in my own value or my own dream mm-hmm. of what it could be yeah. and just mm-hmm. stopping mm-hmm. and listening yeah. and, and helping them put words to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do y'all think when you, let's talk basically about premarital. So when you start, you meet these young couples, many, and sometimes we're doing premarital counseling with, with people in their forties and fifties these days, obviously blended families or second marriages, third marriages, or they just, they were never married. Right. Mm -hmm. I've had several that were engaged a few times and never actually panned out. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but with young couples, especially with engagement, what are some of the misconceptions that you're hearing that you can, after talking with them, you just realize some of the, their misconceptions about marriage mm-hmm. or about monogamy or about, you know, trying to, you know, make it for the long haul in a culture where divorce is so uh, huge, you know, at least, at least 50%. Yeah. Anything come to mind? The main thing that comes to mind is like a lot of couples are choosing to live together. Okay. Before they make the commitment to marry, they're like, we just need to see if it's how it's going to work out. Kick the tires. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so I mean, and I good hear idea, that a bad lot, idea. <laughs> but I hear that a lot in our premarital classes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's something that comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there are pros and cons on that, you know? Well, you want to look at, you yeah. look at science, you look, like science says, if you live together, you have a higher chance of divorce. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, but the reasoning right now in society is saying like, no, it it ups your chance. But what they're trying to avoid is divorce, Mm -hmm. right? But science says, looking at the statistics, statistically, if you live together before you're married, like you have a higher, it increases your chance of divorcing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I I read in a book recently about that and it said something to the effect of, I feel like I'm going to butcher this logic, but it's, it's this idea that like when you live together, when you're dating, there's, there's less commitment. Mm-hmm. And so you're more open to experiencing these person, this person's differences because you're not committed to them fully. But then when you, but then once you transition to getting married, those differences that you already knew about cause you to, to like 
think, okay, this is not going to change. And I'm trapped. I've made a mistake. Exactly. Instead of the let's grow Mm -hmm. and let's learn to value that difference Mm -hmm. and not try to change that person. Maybe Mm -hmm. I need to be changed. Maybe I'm the stranger. Maybe I'm the other. There's no better crucible of personal growth than being in a committed relationship where you're not going to run. And the fallacy of running, right, and saying, oh, you're not the right person. You're not my person. That that phrase, oh my gosh. (laughs) So soulmates, like... uh, we have choices, mm-hmm. right? You have a choice. But what's interesting, if you say, you know what? We're not compatible. We have irreconcilable differences. So you're going to go and find someone else, and that person's full of crap too. Yeah. <laughs> that person has their flaws. They've got their past. They've got their baggage. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to grow and mature. They've got... You're going to have to forgive something. Mm-hmm. Might might as well learn to forgive the thing you already know. Yeah. So you're going into this minefield that you don't know where the landmines are. At least you've got the known quantities here. Choose the problems you want to be able to, (laughs) or you can cope with or deal with. So choose your problems wisely. Yeah, Yeah. because because you're you're gonna gonna have them. them. You're gonna have them. It's about commitment, and it's about I mean a commitment to I'm gonna love you no matter what. There are no deal breakers. Um, I'm gonna have to forgive, right? I just said that, and so I stumbled. um, No deal breakers. There should be some deal breakers, yeah. right? And and now, now hear me. So one of the common misconceptions that I hear is, and I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's a misconception, is if my spouse, let's just use one, if my spouse cheats, it's over. Okay, fair enough. It's one of the hardest things to come back from mm-hmm. and to rebuild trust once it's been broken. What a, a horrible betrayal, mm-hmm. right? But do you know how many couples have to weather the storm of infidelity? Mm-hmm. And the couples that I'm seeing that I, that have done the hard work, if you didn't do the hard work or if, it, if you still think if that ever happened, I'll be done, look, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. I think, though, right now, knowing what I know, I would try to forgive my, my wife and... I think she would try to forgive me and try to work through it because we see what's built on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Again, we see the the stuff that the infidelity usually has nothing to do with the marriage. It's not about your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a lot of times about something was wrong in the marriage, so you were looking for it elsewhere. There's all kinds of stuff. See Esther Perel on this mm-hmm. one, the yeah. Swiss psychologist who talks about the desire, the longing, all the things that you are a person who reaches out is looking for mm-hmm. and trying to recreate or trying to create or the voids they're trying to fill in their own heart, their own life. Um, but because it's not about the marriage a lot of times or the spouse, there's so many things that, that can be fixed or made new or not even, it's like repair the old, it's a brand new marriage mm-hmm. that I see that can be fashioned when it, that bomb that goes up, it actually, it's a warning and it gets their attention. Like now we're awake. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at things at a deeper level. By the way, so living together, I get it. You're wanting to see what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not about you need to kick the tires and live together. It's about you need to get honest. Mm -hmm. You need to get past the rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. You have to get beyond the best foot forward, right? This this person, this imposter. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to get down to the real person, Mm -hmm. and and that that is so hard to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, yeah it's really hard to do in, in a premarital environment. I think a misconception that I had going into marriage is that, uh, that I would never, let me see how I phrase this. Uh, I mean, you know, some background, me and Michelle have been together since we were, since I was 16 years old mm -hmm. and we, uh, grew up in a, in an environment, in a Christian environment that really taught the value of marriage. And that was something that was really important to us. And, um, and both of our parents been married for a long time. And so I think that I, it was, I, I would never, I went into marriage thinking that, um, maybe like no deal breakers, that there would never be a time that I would, that I would question our marriage, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember it was like uh, maybe two or three years into our marriage, not that long ago, our first kid had been born. It was it was a tough, you know, after having the first kid, the, my wife going through a lot of changes personally and postpartum dealing with all of those issues, like that's a big time, you know, and something that was really challenging for us. And I remember there was this moment, like maybe six months after our, our first girl was born and we were just not seeing eye to eye on something. And I was like, I, I, I didn't know where else, what, what, what direction we were going to go. And I just remember like in that moment thinking, are we going to be able to make it through this? Yeah. Like, are yeah. we going to, are we going to have to end our relationship? Like, are we, right. are we going to get on the other side of this? Mm -hmm. And that was like a really scary moment for me. Cause I never thought I would feel that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a misconception yeah. that like, and guess what? Like what we did was we went to bed, got up the next morning and tried again, you know? Right. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that I yeah. share with couples that I see with when, when couples have that rose colored glass, those rose colored glasses on is, Hey, there's going to be moments where you don't know if it's going to work out yeah. and that's okay. And it will probably come early. Yeah. And that's why so many people fail before the five-year mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We hear about the first year of marriage and that adjustment. And yeah. some people don't want to make the adjustment. Yeah. They're just going, Oh my gosh, I married the wrong person. I made a mistake. Yeah. I thought that. Yeah. Ross, so we went into marriage thinking divorce is not an option. Exactly. My same. parents stayed together until 47 years, until my mom passed, Jamie's parents 50 years before one of her same. parents. Yeah. And it's like, our legacy is you stay together. You just mm -hmm. don't quit. Right. You just don't quit. Right. And I remember in the first couple of years thinking, I don't know, if I think divorce is an option now. Mm -hmm. Like... One of us is going to end up dead or in jail. I mean, this is this is bad, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, that's part of my story. And mm -hmm. I always tell people, I didn't have to see a miracle, uh, walking on water or parting the Red Sea. What God did in my marriage, if He can do it there, He can do it anywhere. Yeah. And and that's so helpful to people who think they've made a mistake and they're about to quit. Yeah. So I always say, you know, just don't quit. That's that's yeah. the difference between Show people up. who've been married thirty two years and ones who not. <laughs> it's not that we're special, and, and we just didn't quit. Yeah, and think about. You could call it God's blessing, but the luck the, of, of, because two people have to choose not to quit. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that I know are divorced, they wouldn't have chosen to quit, but their spouse did, obviously. Right. Um, and by the way, and I want to say this, and we'll, we'll probably have to go to part two on this, but um, when I say no deal breakers, 
So a misconception. I just want to bring up some uh, misconception is that if you do, if one of the spouses reach out, then it should be over. Well, I've got some evidence to the contrary, that that can actually turn out to be an incredible catalyst for positive change in a marriage and building a new relationship that they've never had. However, having said that, I just wanted to be clear, there are some deal breakers for me now. If I had a chronically unfaithful spouse, I'm out. I'm not going to forgive you over and over and over. You keep cheating. I mean, that's you were talking about the destruction of a person and a crushing of a spirit, right? Uh, abuse, physical abuse. Um, there are some things that, and I mean, you could get into emotional abuse, right? Sexual abuse, um, but uh, there are some things I just wanted to qualify and say yeah, out loud. There, sure. there are things that I would. Some people think, "Oh, Brian, you're the marriage guy. You're always going to preach reconciliation." Right. There are times I've told people, "You need to get out. This is a toxic relationship, and and the other person is not interested in changing." And you know, you, way a, a really wise person put it to me: "The Holy Spirit in you doesn't deserve to be injured over and over and over." Mm-hmm. And by the way, so your covenant, it's already broken. Mm-hmm. It, the covenant's broken. Mm. You didn't break it. It's been broken. Mm. And so if you were to choose to stay, you're going to be making a new covenant. Mm. It's it's like Esther Perel says, most of us marry three or four times in a lifetime. Some of us just choose to do it with the same person. Mm-hmm. I love that. We've re-upped over and over and over mm-hmm. on our covenant mm-hmm. in our marriage. So... Let's come back and continue this in part two. Uh, Thanks, Galena, for being with us. I think we're going to grab Spoonie for the next one. Um, So, yeah, good being with you guys. So I hope you've enjoyed our conversations. Remember to like, share, follow, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And if you ever want to talk to someone in the healing place, we're here for you. Please pick up the phone and call, email, or find us on crosstimberschurch.org, The Healing Place, or find us on our Facebook page, The Healing Place Group.